Deep and meaningful conversations to connect, find calm, feel empowered and uncover clarity. Welcome to the Death Dying Diagnosis and Doulas podcast. Hello, my guest is Tracy McMillan, the owner, founder of Forge Legal, is that correct? That's right. Awesome woman you are, Tracy McMillan, and I know you've been a barrister and you've yeah, you're a mediator and an arbitrator and you name it in the law field, I know that you're out there doing it. So I really wanted to have you here to, to talk to us today about all stuff legal to do with death and dying because I think that there's a lot of people really that do not prepared. I mean, I've certainly had a, that experience myself of having to clean up the mess of what's been left with no wills, etc. So first up, can you just tell us a little bit about you, how you got into law, Why? what's your interest in wills and estate, and just a general overview. So I got into law because I liked debating way back when I was 12, I think it was, but I um, always wanted to help people. So I've been in an, in the legal industry for twenty over twenty years now, or I like to say over many grey hairs <laughs> is what it is. So I like a few different areas of law, but wills and estates is good because you actually see people where they're grieving, and you can actually support and nurture them through that process. But you also see people at their greediest mm. when they go through an estate matter and things like that. It's amazing how quickly families can fracture if it's not taken care of succinctly. Yeah. yeah. So what percentage of people would you say in Australia actually die without a will? Well, 100% of people die. <laughs> um, but without a will, um, look, it's probably about 50% of people die intestate without a will. And it's just a nightmare. It's wow. an absolute nightmare for the families. So why do you think people don't prepare? Is it just because they don't want to think about it? Or do you just think, if I think I'll do it later. Like, what do you think are the re- the main reasons? Okay, so there's a few reasons, but one of them is people go, oh, I don't want to talk about death because that's too morbid. Like, if I talk about it, then it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy or something like that. The other one is they turn around and go, oh, I'm too young, so I'm not going to die yet. So when I get closer to dying, that's when I'll start preparing. But as you know, death doesn't necessarily come as a planned event. It can happen unexpectedly. So that's basically the reason. So when people die without a will, what happens? It's actually, it's really unfortunate. So when they die, there is different legislation in each state, but that legislation will determine who gets what, and it'll be based on percentages. So for instance, if your father died, it might be his new girlfriend will actually get a percentage which might be like 50% the children will get each a set percentage as well. It's not a pleasant way to go and it may not be what they have intended at all when they're alive. And I imagine that there's like disputes and conflict and people never speaking to each other again. Like would they be some of the consequences of not having a will? Oh, absolutely massive. Look, um, and, and it's not even that, it's not paying proper attention to your will as well. So not having will is one thing, it will fracture your family potentially because you might say one of them might go, well, no, I, I want this jewellery or I want that and then that's when they end up in a fight. Someone might say, well, no, I'm entitled to more because let's say I gave mum and dad a loan when, when we were younger and that should be taken into account and the answer is no, it won't be. Mm. So it can really bring out the claws and nastiness and it's not fun and it's not pleasant and it's expensive, by the way. 
Yeah, yeah. So it costs you a lot more to sort the mess than what it does to set up a will in the first place. Yeah, look, majority of matters, it doesn't actually come out of your pocket per se, but it comes from the estate, Mm. which means the more you fight, the more you're reducing down that pot of how much, you know, money and assets you can actually receive. Yeah. So, yeah, it's quite tragic. So what happens if, I suppose I'd I'd like to hear some stories, but I'm thinking about, you know, say, for instance, I made a will, you know, 10 years ago when I was married to someone else and then I've remarried but I haven't updated my will. How does the legal system figure out who's entitled to what? Mm. Well, if you've done a will and you've gotten remarried, that will actually void your previous will. One of the biggest mistakes people don't know is that when you separate from somebody, that separation doesn't actually void your will and neither does a divorce. Ah. It's, the, it's actually marriage. A new marriage would void it, so you couldn't use it. But that's one of the biggest issues. So at that point, let's say you hadn't got remarried, but you had gone through and got a divorce. Well, guess what? It's going to your ex. <laughs> so that would be fun, wouldn't it? I fought with you in family court. I've got all this money and now I'm dead and you bastard, he's going to get it anyway. So, do you, so you actually see those sort of things happen fairly regularly? Seriously, everybody should be having a will from the moment that you're an adult at 18. And you might go, well, I don't have anything. But that's not true because you'll have superannuation, although that won't go in, in accordance with your will. But you will have assets that you don't realise. And it's important at the very least you just make it nice and clean because one day, hopefully, you will be that multimillionaire. Good point. Because when you're 18, you might be thinking, well, what have I got? But, you know, things can change quite quickly that, you know, people could win something or they could marry somebody that's wealthy or there's a whole range of things, I suppose, that can happen. It's a bit weird that 18-year-olds could win the lotto. What happens when you receive a diagnosis that makes you feel lost, isolated and confused about the way forward in life? Let our doulas provide clarity, help you find information and connection and feel empowered in your choices. Doulaconnections.com.au I know you're based in Queensland, but what's the major difference between the states that you're aware of? Yeah, it's not actually, they're all fairly consistent. It's just the legislation will just have a few little quirks and tricks about how things are divided. So when you're talking about like a family provision claim, like if you're contesting a will or something like that, each legislation reviews it slightly differently. I do a lot of stuff in Queensland, New South Wales and Victoria. Okay, gotcha. So can are you able to give us an example of a mess that happened as a consequence of not having a will without, or maybe fill in some details that aren't quite correct so we can hear a real story? I can. I will change the facts just slightly, but it actually had a bit of a crossover between two ways. What it was is the person actually died leaving a will and the will was fine. But the executive refused to actually execute and go through and administer the estate. So it was sitting there for six years. They let their house go into rack and ruin, which was worth millions. And then he separated from his wife. And then now what we've had to do is bring an application to the court to actually force him off as executor and bring her on. And it's a mess. It's an absolute mess. We're talking like yachts being scuttled and things like that and fighting. I mean, that's one of them. What was the other one? There's just, there's so many, but they all run the same way. 
And I've seen that old thing. I don't know if you've seen it before where you talk about how do you divide your, your settlements. So there was a car that they were fighting over. It was some old Volvo. I don't know why I fought over a Volvo, but they were. <laughs> and one of the beneficiaries got the shit and grabbed a chainsaw and cut the entire vehicle in half and said, there you go. There's oh, your half. Oh, my God. So, oh. But it just shows the, le- the level of frustration, doesn't it, and anger that people feel when they have a sense of entitlement to something and it's not working out how they want it. Exactly. Or the other one is selling stuff on eBay and then saying, no, no, I don't have that asset. I didn't go into the estate, into the house and take it. There's been other ones where I've had to go in and actually be the executor and had to remove the pornography and sex <laughs> before the 16-year-old child came in. Oh, so, yeah. so it's like, yes, I remember my, my poor lawyer, who one of my lawyers who came with me at the time, it was very, he's very much a clean freak, so OCD, and he was just asking me, what does this sex toy do and what is that for? <laughs> I don't understand. And I'm like, I can't answer that on the grounds that if I could, it would make me look like a pervert. <laughs> but, but I suppose that's the other side of the equation there. Like some people are so well prepared that they've even got somebody to actually go in and get rid of certain things in the house that they don't want people to see. So that's a com- the opposite, complete opposite of somebody that's just ignored it. It sounds like there are people that are extraordinarily well prepared. Well, you would think so, wouldn't you? Except that this person was a hoarder and that all the oh. passwords they'd given us that we kept to be able to get into the phone and things, they had since been changed. So, you know, you, you, you've got to have a cactus file is what I call it. You know, it's the file for when you cactus. Yeah. And you have all your passwords and where everything is located all in one spot. All of your health stuff and all of, all of that goes in one file, in one place, but right. not in your own house. Yes. So is because you never keep your will in your own house because if your house burns down and you're in it, so is your will. So mm. it's not going to help you because nobody can use a copy. But I'll say one of the biggest things that I see is people don't have powers of attorney. So they're called different things in each state. And an example of one I had is we were doing a family law matter and we had, this is years ago, I had my client do a will and a power of attorney up straight away. Six weeks later, and we were in a nasty dispute where the husband was physically cutting the phone lines and stealing, again, stealing the boat from the mooring and things like that and breaking in through the house windows and stuff like that. And she had a really bad car accident and ended up in a coma and they thought she was going to die. And because she had that power of attorney, she could give obviously her sister could pick up that power of attorney and that literally was only a couple of weeks before that she'd made that and then the sister could actually carry on providing us with instructions because a lawyer can't do anything unless your client can tell you what to do Mm. and as a result because the husband had said oh no I'm just gonna wait I just hope I just wanted to get better no he, he was waiting to see if she'd die and she didn't want any of that. Yeah, that's what he was, he was, he was biding his time. Yeah. No offence, smart move, really, if you think yeah. about it. Of course you'd buy it because then you get 100%. Yeah. Um, but at the very least, and luckily she did pull through, but she was severely brain damaged and stuff from it. But we were able to actually protect all of those assets for her and stuff as a result. Wow. Okay. I love that. 
Are you confused about what your tomorrow might look like? Our doulas can guide you towards clarity, peace of mind and a plan for the future that will give you and your loved ones certainty. Enjoy your time together and minimise misunderstandings. Visit doulaconnections.com.au. All right, so just now to take you on to a little bit of a different tack. Now, I know, again, I think they might be called different things in different states, but enduring power of attorney in New South Wales. So, you know, that ability for people to be able to make health decisions for you, financial decisions and where you live. Can you talk a little bit about that in the different states, maybe the different things they're called and why you think they might be useful? Yeah, so the enduring power of attorney, so power of attorney is where you give authority over somebody else to control your assets and, as you said, um, personal health matters if need be. I will say New South Wales and Queensland are fairly similar. In South Australia, although they sort of tweak them a little differently, and what it does is it allows that person, it activates while they're alive. And a will doesn't kick in until it's 30 days after someone's dead. So what you need is in that time where you're incapacitated, you've got to have that something there to help for someone to help make decisions when you're not able. In Queensland, it doesn't give you authority to turn off the life support. In New South Wales, it's called an advanced medical directive, I think. Advanced care directive, maybe? Yeah. That's the one. That's yeah. the one. And South Australia has yet another way. But they basically tie into the same similar premise. And so the enduring power of attorney only starts upon you becoming incapacitated mm. usually or you have a set date. So when you're talking about personal care matters, that seems like putting you in a nursing home. So you really want to like the person that you're giving <laughs> that authority to because otherwise you're going to be ending up in a, a cardboard box on the side of the street and or financial matters. And you can control how they make that decision. I always recommend you have three people who, so if you've got checks and balances on your attorney because you're in a massively vulnerable state, if you've given someone all your access to, like for instance, telling your doctor what um, they want for you. And in Queensland, if you're doing advanced health directives or care directives in New South Wales, you want to make sure that you've got someone there who is going to turn off your life support. So you really want to make sure they like you. Mm. So Mm. make sure that that usually they're not your ex. (laughs) Yeah, fair enough. I suppose generally it'd be if you're married, it's your partner. If it's maybe your children, if you're older, it's, it's your parents, if you're younger, I suppose generally. Imagine this. Let's say you're going through a separation because this is usually where it comes up as the Mm. most volatile period. And but they're still currently your next of kin and they and that person is the one who decides whether you turn off your life support. I would I wouldn't be feeling very comfortable with that. So you do have to be really, really careful about who you're going to give control to it. I've seen many people actually abuse it and that's that's it's elder abuse and financial abuse and stuff like that. And I've seen them rob elderly people of so much money as a result of that access and that control and power. Wow, wow. And it, it, given those circumstances, you have to have a doctor say you no longer have capacity. Is that the general thing across Australia or not? You don't have to, but any, any smart lawyer or a smart attorney would turn around and go, okay, here's a doctor's letter that says they no longer have capacity. 
And capacity for your power of attorney is different to capacity to make a will. So you don't have to have legal capacity to make a will. You just have to be aware of what you're doing at the time that you're doing it. So someone who has Alzheimer's can actually have the capacity to make a will if they are doing it in a lucid period of time, right. even if that's only for 10 minutes. So that's why you have the um, deathbed wills and things like that that people do. Wow. So, um, wow. I mean, I just can't My mind boggles at the stuff that you must have seen over the years. But, you know, I suppose that somebody's got to do the job. And I, I look at you and I think, wow, be able to work your way through and just listen and try to find the solution. But I suppose you do see a lot of dodgy stuff. You know, it's just part and parcel. I really, really do. And I've even seen dodgy stuff within my own extended family. I remember being furious at the abuse of a power of attorney. It was, it was absolutely disgraceful what was being done because it was just utilising their money to basically revamp their own house. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, it's, you know, so it is. But you see funny stuff too, though. You see a lot of funny stuff where people are fighting over the stuffed cat so, um, <laughs> and, you know, the car that I said. But the best one, I'll tell you the funniest one I've ever seen, is a will carved into a tree. Wow. That was very hard to present to the court. How long did it take them to carve that into the tree? What a great story that must be. Wow. It just has to be in permanent form. So carving it into a tree is, yep. Wow, incredible. So would you suggest then that that really, as soon as people really do separate and they know that, this is it, I'm done, they really do need to revisit all of that stuff and not leave it until they find the next partner or until they decide that they're single forever or whatnot. Like how is that something you'd say do it within the first couple of months or what's your thoughts? I'd I'd do it even faster than that. The moment you know that you're separating your out, that is the one thing you would absolutely protect. But then you should be changing your will and revisiting your will at every major milestone of your life. So if you mm. have a new child, then come back in and revisit that that will. Even though you can have wills that capture potential children that aren't born yet, you want to always go back and look and go, is this really still what I want? Is this my wishes? How would that play out? Mm. And it's a really important thing. And I will, I will say in relation to that, the other one is please don't do a will kit. Mm. <laughs> I mean, you can... But I'll tell you right now, where the most amount of money is spent in estate matters is because people have done a will kit and it's been done incorrectly. Wow. And so they scribble out on it. They scribble out in the will and say, no, I don't want that person anymore. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to amend it and I'll just initial it. And you can't do that. If you make an amendment on a will, you have to redo the entire will from scratch. Otherwise, a court will say it's been tampered with and therefore void. Oh, wow. Okay. And I imagine if if you are a business owner or you own a lot of property, I mean, you'd be crazy not to have a will, surely. Like, I, it's it's mental. If you have a business and you don't have a will or a power of attorney, that is really really problematic. If you own a family trust and you put someone down as an appointer and you die and you're the appointer, then you're looking at potentially your executor of your will becomes your new appointer and Mm. you may not actually have that intention. So it's things that people don't realise how they connect in together and it can get them into a lot of stuff. I've seen people end up as trustees of a trust 
who there was no intention ever for that person to ever have access to that trust because a trust doesn't go in accordance with a will. You, you can't divide it in a will. And so it was the third wife and the trust was for his children who from the first marriage. So he, he wanted to keep the two separated. But because she was his executor and he hadn't actually listed down in the trust about who, who his next appointee should be in the event of his death, it ended up being her. So she ended up controlling it for the children. If you want to talk about bitch fights, that's one hell of a nasty little thing. Yeah, it, it's just a great example of what you don't know. You know how you're that saying, you know, you don't know what you don't know. It's, I mean, I imagine there's a lot of stuff with trusts and superannuation and things like that that people don't even know to ask the question. Do you already know what you want? Plan now to get your wishes written down and avoid misunderstandings and possible conflict between your friends and family. Your plan will make you feel empowered and give certainty to others when you need it most. DoulaConnections.com.au If people, you know, are thinking about, you know, we're out there, we're thinking, okay, we need to get our will sorted, we need to get ourselves prepared, what are the sort of questions they should be asking themselves and what what should they ask of the, the lawyer that they go to? Like what are those basic things that you've just got to get done? Well, the very first thing you've got to do is you've got to list down all of your assets for your lawyer. So that way they'll actually outline and say, hey, this can't go in accordance with the will. So that'll be separated. So that mo- a lot of people have family trusts. And so those trusts will have their own legacy rules. So you've got to look at that trust to make sure that that's exactly what you want to happen in the event of your death. Your superannuation as well, and every super is a little bit different, but there is a binding death nomination. Now, you know how you write on your super and you go, okay, in the event of my death, I'm going to leave it to my husband and my kids, and you break up the percentages as to what you want to give. That's great, but your superannuation fund does not have to follow it. <laughs> and really? Is, yep. So unless you do a binding death nomination and you have to do it, redo it every three years usually, if you don't do that, then they can pick and choose and say, no, nah, I get it. I get you wanted to go to this person. We're not going to do that. But why? Why would that happen? And How does that How's that even a thing? <laughs> it, it's a massive thing. It's a massive thing. Like you end up with, you see the amount of things where you end up with like the brother gets money and it was not intended for the brother to get it. It should have been just the sister and stuff. So they have that ability to. Mm. Um, so what I normally do in those circumstances is whilst you can't include your super in your will, what you do is write in your will uh, um, a clauses. my wish is for my superannuation to be divided in accordance with my will. And then that right. gives the super fund a bit of an indicator of what your actual intention and ideas are. They don't have to accept it, but it gives them an easy out. Wow. Okay, that's interesting. So can you also tell us about this concept of contesting wills? Like what is that about? How does that happen you know, like what, what's the process? So there's two different ways you can contest a will. One is you might have heard the word probate and that is the process of going through to determine that the will was validly made. So there was no errors and, as I said, no scribbling out or anything like that and to prove that it was, in fact, their last will. Mm-hmm. Now, 
if you can contest it there and say, hey, no, it wasn't, and then if it wasn't, the court will contest it that way and go on. But the most common way is even if you go through probate and even if the will is valid and let's say it was done six months before their death or it had been exactly the same time and time again, year after year, as a beneficiary, you can turn around as a, one, of, one of the people, you can bring what we call a family provision application and say, no, I know that the will says that and I know that it, they've always said that, but no, nah, I want more money. And I have to say, I don't like it. It actually really irritates me because it's so disrespectful to a person's wishes. But if you are, for instance, a spouse, you can contest it. If you are an, uh, a minor, obviously someone can bring an application on your behalf to contest it. I understand that. For instance, if a child, an illegitimate child's been left out or whatever, I, I get the concept of that. But here's the kicker. If you're a dependent, in most states, if you're even if you're an older dependent and you can demonstrate that you have had reliance upon that person while they're alive, you can contest and get more money. Now, here's why it drives me bonkers, but it is the law is the lazier your children are, if they're adults and they stay at home bumming off you because they won't get off their backside and go out and get a job, they will have far greater grounds to get more of the estate than if your children have gone out and worked hard and they've become a doctor or a nurse or all of those things. So it's almost like you're rewarding bad behaviour. That's the key. So if you want to get more money from the estate of your parents, stay at home, bum off them, and then once they've died, you can go and claim more more of the estate. <laughs> oh, Tracy, I love you. I love the way you just describe things and, and, you know, it's just so real, you know. Also, I know that you've got something called No Lawyers going on. What's that about? a new business or something? Yeah, so that's an online platform that I created last year where people can actually go in and represent themselves. So at the moment, my ultimate goal is to disrupt the um, entire legal industry and allow people to sort of take back their own matters and take back control of their own matters without the need of all this incessant legal representation. So at the moment, it's about people doing family law with negotiating their own consent orders and property settlement for children and parenting. But the next stage will be, we've even got it there. So we've actually are going to be launching our wills where they can jump on and do their own will as well. And we're also then moving into the, the next stage, which is my most exciting one, where people can actually represent themselves in court. So we'll help them, this, this platform will help them do their own affidavits in a way which can support the rules of evidence and so it's not a big train wreck and all the court documents you need on there and taking control of your own legal matter. So we'll eventually expand across all areas, but, yeah, start out one at a time. I'm thinking you might be well-loved by some of the legal profession, but I'm sure you know that and you don't really care that much. (laughs) I, I, yes. I I have pissed off a a few lawyers and I thought it was great. Very good. All right. So for everybody thinking, okay, what have I got to do? I've got nothing. I haven't prepared. I've got absolutely nothing to, to look after me and my family for death and dying. What are the three to five things that you say you've got to get this done? So you've got to get your power of attorney done. You've got to get your will done. You've got to actually know where everything is kept. 
So list down all of your assets. So as I said, get a cactus file, have everything in there in one place. And if you change passwords, significant passwords, then put them there. So lawyers have uh, something called safe custody. You can put all of that in safe custody and then that way, you know, if you're worried about your family seeing passwords or whatever, it's there and it can be pulled out at any time. And the other one is if you do keep your will, make sure you tell somebody else where it is kept because law firms, if they actually sell or people retire, your wills and power of attorneys will move on and be, be taken by another law firm. They'll send you out one letter which says, hey, here you are. This is where it is. If you forget where you put that letter, I guarantee you you will lose that will very, very quickly. And it can jump through four or five different law firms if you're not careful. So there's no database anywhere in Australia of where everybody's wills are? Not yet. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> I would have thought it was logical that a, you know, that a lawyer or somebody could go, okay, here's this person, here's their date of birth, here's some identifying, where's their will. You would think that would make great sense, but I'm surprised it doesn't exist. <laughs> it's a mental, it's, it, it, it sort of blows me away as well because we're still, I mean, you know, lawyers are very much like dinosaurs. We don't like to go with progress. Yeah. So we still have to advertise in the newspaper and online to try and find wills in, in the legal magazines. And I, mm. I, do, I don't even look at the legal magazines for that type of stuff. So wow. it's, it, it's just an antiquated way to do. And I would have just thought one simple platform where everyone would know mm. exactly where things are just makes sense. Let's do it. <laughs> what a fabulous interview. So, look. If people want to reach out to you, Tracy, so what's the best way for them to find Forge Legal and connect with all the different things that you guys do? So we're on Facebook. You can always message me or we've got forgelegal.net and we're always on, on there. And there's even wills that you can you can start typing out and doing your will and all about yourself as well. Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'd love to have you back again as a guest on the podcast. So, But thank you so much for your time. You're awesome. And that was great. We hope you found this conversation and information interesting, helpful and empowering with the Death, Dying, Diagnosis and Doulas podcast. Help us empower others by rating and reviewing us wherever you listen. 